why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? The question of why. I know for me, that question of why, why I do what I do, why other people do what they do, is a big question for me. Am I the only one? Like it's important, right? It's important because why you do what you do sets the trajectory of your life. It sets the trajectory of where you're going, the decisions you make, whether you say yes to something, whether you say no to something. Not only does it set the trajectory of your life, it sets the trajectory of your relationships. It, it impacts the people that are around you. It impacts the people that you, that you spend time with, the things that you say, the choices that you make. It's important to understand why. Because when you understand why, it impacts what? And when it impacts what, it impacts how. But it all comes back to why. Why? Why? Why do we, as Christians, do the things that we do? Why are we here? Why are we worshiping? Why are we singing? Why are we opening up God's word? What are we supposed to do? with our faith? How do we live that out? All these questions start with why. And this sermon series is really going to be geared around not only why, why are we as Christians, why do we do the things that we do, but what are we called to do, and how does that play out? What does that actually look like? If you're a Christian this morning, you've probably heard this passage a hundred times. If you've been following Jesus for a while, you've heard it before. If you're new to the Christian faith, you may have never even heard this passage. If you've never opened the Word of God, if you're here this morning and you're like, I'm just here because someone invited me, we're going to spend today and the next couple weeks wrestling with why do we do what we do? What has Jesus called us to? And how does that impact the way we live in every aspect of our life? Not just here on Sunday. Not just um, in the church when it comes to small groups and ministry teams. Not just what happens in the home, but what happens in our community. What happens when you go to work? What happens with our kids? What happens with our families? What happens with our marriages? What does it look to live a life on mission in every aspect of our life? And today I'm hoping that if you're a Christian, even though you've probably read this passage a hundred times, my hope is that there would be something that God invites you into that is more, that is greater. And if you're new and you don't know anything about Jesus, that maybe you'd be willing to give us another shot next week to understand more about who this Jesus guy is and the implications of our lives for how he calls us to live. Got your Bibles. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 is where we're going to be at this morning. And let me just tell you what's going on, where we're at in the Word of God. Jesus has spent his adult life, three years of his adult life, pouring all of his time, his energy, his resources into 12 men. And these 12 men he spent all of his time with, he's lived life with them, he's loved on them, he's encouraged them, he's challenged them, he spoke truth to them even when it wasn't necessarily comfortable, really uncomfortable for his disciples. But he poured all of his life into them. And he spent 
all, these, all this time with them, and we've got all these stories of, of, what God, of what Jesus said and how he interacted with his disciples. And do you want to know one of the things I'm looking forward to in heaven? I'm going to go to Peter, one of his disciples, and be like, tell me the stories that aren't in here. I want to know the stuff that's not in here, right? I want to know the stuff that goes on. Stuff. Be like, Let me tell you about this story about Jesus. It was so funny, and, and I want to hear that story. But we've got all these stories of what Jesus did with his disciples, how he poured into them. And as he poured into them, what he wanted them to understand and know about who God was and who he was, all these other people want to get involved in it as well. And all of a sudden, there's, there's hundreds of people, thousands of people that are wanting to follow Jesus. And then, right when they thought they had it all figured out about what Jesus was going to do, he goes and dies. And his disciples are like, what, what? Jesus, I thought you were going to rule. I thought you were going to reign. I thought you were going to have a kingdom and you died. And they were confused, bewildered, mad, sad. All the emotions you go through, all the grief that you go through in the midst of loss, they go through all of it. And as Women go to finish the embalming process of his body. They go to the tomb, and as they open the tomb, or as they go to try and figure out how to open the tomb, they don't even know how they're going to open the tomb because there's a rock in front of it. They show up, and the rock's gone. Tomb's open, and the body's gone. And then Jesus appears to these group of women and says, I'm alive. I'm alive. And not only is he alive, but over the next 40 days, he appears to his disciples. He appears to people to show them that I am really alive, that I resurrected from the dead. Even Thomas, who we know as, as who? Doubting Thomas. Unless I see the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet and his pure side, I'm not going to believe. Jesus is like, all right, Thomas, here we go. Shows up, Thomas, do you believe now? Right? And right as Jesus is about ready to go back to heaven and to rule and reign from the right hand of the Father, right as he's about ready to do that, he gives these final words to his closest followers, his closest family, his disciples, and their family and friends. He gives these final words. And as you guys know, when someone's spending their last moment with people, his, their last words, would you say they're important? Yeah. These are Jesus' last words. And his last words gives us the why, the what, and the how of the Christian faith. What does he say? Jesus came to them. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why do we live a life on mission? This sermon series, Life on Mission. Why do we live that life? Why are we called to live that life? The reason why we live a life on mission is really plain. Matthew 28, Jesus says it. He said, I am Lord of heaven and 
earth. I'm Lord over it all. Every aspect of your life, I'm Lord over it. And the reason why I'm Lord over it is because he's God. And he proved that he was God by not just saying that he was God, but in addition to that, he proved it by resurrecting from the grave. But he just didn't resurrect from the grave. Before he resurrected from the grave, he went to the cross and died for you and I. He died for the sins that we know that we live with. The mistakes that we make. The things that we choose to do that hurt not only us, not only hurt God, but hurt other people. Jesus said, I'm going to take on the sins of the world and I'm going to actually die for them. I'm going to take that on for you. But I'm not just going to die. I'm going to actually resurrect from the dead. Jesus has the ability to say that he is Lord of heaven and earth because he conquered sin and death. Because he is God. Which is different than any of the other faith religions that we know of. John chapter 14, Jesus said something that no other faith leader actually said. Muhammad didn't claim to be God. Buddha didn't claim to be God. All the other faith religions, all their leaders did not claim to be God. But look what Jesus says. Jesus says in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the, what's it say up there? Life. I am all of it. And no one comes to the Father except through This is what separates Christianity from everything else, is this statement. Jesus, I am God. I am God. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him, because I am him. Christianity is built upon the claims of who Jesus said he was and a group of people that saying, yes, I believe that is true. That Jesus did resurrect from the dead and that he is Lord of heaven and earth. And if he's Lord of heaven and earth, he's Lord of his church. He's Lord of our lives. He's Lord of our homes. He's Lord of our communities. He's Lord of our workplace. He's Lord of our neighborhoods. He's Lord over all of it. And Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Because I'm God. And I've conquered sin and death. Why do we live a life on mission? Because Jesus is king. And he invites us into the what of what that actually looks like. What is that? He said, therefore, therefore what? Therefore, since he's Lord of heaven and earth. What's it say? Go and make disciples. Living a life on mission, what does that look like? It means going and making disciples. Every single one of us going and making disciples. He's talking to his closest friends, his closest people that he invested all of his life in, and he says, you, I'm Lord of heaven and earth. I'm the ruler. I'm reigner of all of heaven and earth. Go. Go and make disciples. What I have taught you, you go and teach others. Go and walk beside others. Paul understood this. He understood the Great Commission. Comes on later after the scene of the church starting, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What is Paul saying? As I follow Jesus, do what I do. Go make disciples. And Paul's encouraging the churches all throughout the New Testament, follow my example as I follow Jesus. Have you ever thought about saying that to someone? 
Have you ever thought about saying to someone, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ? Every single time I bring that up, every single Christian's like, I don't think I can say that. I don't want people to follow my example because we become right aware really quickly of our own brokenness, right? Of our own sin. But I want to tell you this morning, yes, every single one of us has our stuff. Every single one of us has sin that we need to confess and be open and honest with other believers. But I want to tell you, whatever God has entrusted to you, whatever he has taught you, whatever you've received from him and from others, God is calling on you to give it to somebody else. And the enemy is quick to say, you're not qualified. You can't do this. You're not good enough. You're not this. You're not that. I want to tell you, (laughs) that is not from Jesus. To remind you of all of your sin and brokenness from the past, that is not from Jesus. He's inviting you into the journey of investing in others as others have been invested in you. Whatever you have received from Jesus and from others, God is inviting you to invest into other people. God's inviting you into this partnership, into this life of living a life on mission with him. And I want to tell you this, nothing else in this life is going to satisfy except for Jesus' love and his purposes. Nothing. Nothing. My heart's been breaking for the veterans in our country over the last couple weeks. And my heart's breaking because I'm sitting down with them and I'm talking to them, asking them how they're doing. And they're struggling. And they're struggling because their why of why they did what they did and why they sacrificed and why they served, they're asking the question, what's the point? Was it all for nothing? They're struggling with their why. They're struggling with how the government is explaining their why. And as much as I'm talking to veterans, here's what I'm also realizing is it's not just veterans that are struggling with the why of why, why they're doing what they're doing. It's, it's everybody struggling. Does what I'm doing actually matter? Is it actually making a difference? And as I'm talking to veterans, what, what I'm encouraged by in the midst of my heart breaking for them is I believe God is beginning to to shape and change a new movement of people that realize the government doesn't satisfy. Politicians don't satisfy. Even my work doesn't satisfy. Anything apart from Jesus and the mission that he's invited us into doesn't satisfy. Remember when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the, what's that last part? Life. And he says in his word that he's going to give life abundantly. If it's not giving us life, is it, is it of Jesus? And what is he inviting us into that's about living a life on mission with him and are we willing to trust him with whatever that is? Why do we live a life on mission? Because Jesus is Lord. What has he called us to do to go make disciples? Well, how do we do that? Here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus knows that I'm a rockhead and that I am stubborn 
And I need really clear details. Anybody else this morning? Jesus gets really clear. He gets really specific. He's like, okay, this is how you're going to do it. And it's going to be really easy so that nobody misses it. And even you, Justin, you're not going to miss it. It's really easy. This is it. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always the very end of the age. Oh, well, that's simple, right? Really clear, really easy, not really. But he tells us how we're supposed to do it. Baptizing, which... Jesus doesn't say this, but I'm just going to insert this because they understood what this actually meant. We kind of miss it. And I'm really big about being clear. The first one is we've got to share the gospel with people. I say, well, don't, don't we just baptize them? If we just baptize people and they don't understand why they're getting baptized, that's not going to be good, okay? So we've got to understand that they understand what it is that they're actually doing, right? Sharing the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news. Everybody say good news this morning. The good news. What is the good news? The good news is that Jesus died for us, but he just didn't die for us. He invited us to partner with him to bring about his purposes and his mission and his church and his kingdom. And the way the world operates, we don't have to operate like that. The chaos that we find ourselves in, we don't have to live in chaos. God's come to give us peace and wholeness. And so we're called to share this good news, this gospel, you and I. We're called to share this good news. And as people receive this good news, they're called to be a people that are baptized. What is baptism? It's a picture of someone who said, I believe in the good news. I'm entrusting myself to the good news. I'm, I'm obeying the good news. I believe who Jesus is, who he says he is. I'm going to die to myself, and I'm going to live a new life in him. It's a picture of someone dying, being buried, and being rose again. A new person, a new life. But we're not supposed to just share the gospel, not just to baptize people. We're also called to teach like Jesus taught in relationship. To lead a life like Jesus where we teach others what it means to follow him and to be obedient to him. Jesus wants to see the world reconciled to the reality of his lordship and his ultimate love for us. How does he see that taking place? Here's what's amazing. He sees that taking place. The world reconciled to him and understanding his love and his mission for us. How does that take place? Through you. Through you. And really, our actions really are a display of whether or not we believe that or trust that. But I want you to think about this. The the God of the universe who saved us from sin and death and the message, he gives that message to you and I to take to the rest of the world. He entrusts the message of living a life on mission to you. And I don't know about you, does that feel heavy this morning? It feels heavy for me. The only thing that I can compare it to of understanding that the God of the universe trusts me and loves me enough to entrust the mission to me, the weight of that reality, the closest thing that I can compare it to is the first time I held Noah, my firstborn. Dads, moms, do you remember when you held your firstborn for the first time? If you have twins, both of them at the same time? You were really overwhelmed, weren't you? You're like, oh my goodness, I've got two at the same time. I just wanted one, God. You gave me two. I don't know if I'm up for this, right? And for those of you guys who are single, you're like, yeah, I don't understand that. 
I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what else to compare it to. But when you, when you hold your firstborn for the first time and you realize I'm responsible for this thing living, what am I doing? I have no idea what I'm doing. And honestly, I started praying a lot. <laughs> Which is exactly what Jesus wants you to do. That the great commission, that it starts with you, oh, that weight, run to Jesus with it. If you don't feel the weight, why don't you feel the weight? Because Jesus invites partnership with you to go about the greatest mission. You might say, well, I'm going to mess it up. Yep, you're going to mess it up. But at least you're trying. Because God loves triers. I'm going to tell you this over and over again. You're going to mess it up. The question is, are you trying? Success only comes when you try and fail and try and fail and try and fail and you get up and you keep going and you don't let the enemy dictate where you're going because you understand your why. It starts with you. The mission only goes forward insofar as Jesus' agents, the people he has commissioned are taking it forward. It starts with you. It starts with you. I love what Simon Sinek says. He says, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And what you do simply proves what you believe. Another way to say it is, whatever your actions are, whatever your behavior is, it proves your why. It proves your what. And here's what's sad about Christianity in America, you guys. Latest statistics say that over 95% of Christians will live their entire life never sharing the gospel and never getting their hands in the water and baptizing somebody else. I love baptizing people. I love it. I love that we're doing it today. We're baptizing almost a whole household this morning. I get fired up about that. Are you guys fired up about that? Do you know what I long for? I long for the day where there are so many people getting baptized, I don't even know what's going on and I'm not even doing any of it. I long for the day where people come in and go, Justin, my neighbors, they accepted Jesus this week and I want to get them baptized. Can I baptize them? I'm like, it's all yours, man, right there. That's what Jesus' movement was like in the first century. People sharing the gospel, people sharing their life with one another, connecting in the relationship, equipping people for the mission, and sending people out to go and make disciples and make disciples. And guess what? I believe that the same spirit that resurrected Jesus is still alive and in you today. And if we want to experience a movement, it's going to start with you and I. It's going to start with us. Saying that we are going to be disciples who make disciples. That it's going to start with us. And here's the thing we have to remember. That as we go and make disciples, I want you to notice the last part of what Jesus said. He said, lo and behold, I am what? With you. I am with you only for a little while. Is that what it says? I am with you till when? To the very end of the age, he says. I am with you always. We have to remember that as we go, that Jesus is with you, that Jesus is with us. We're called to be a people that make disciples and make disciples. And that weight of like, oh, the commission, it starts with me. Jesus says, but I'm with you. 
The insecurity that happens within us, the enemy coming at us and saying, you're not qualified, you can't do this, you're not going to do a good job, you're going to mess it up. What are people going to think? All those different things. Jesus says, no, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. Jesus will equip you. He will equip the called. He's with you. The question we got to ask ourselves this morning is, are we with Jesus? Are we with Jesus? John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. As I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you, what's it say up there? Unless you what? Remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus called us to go make disciples, but we can't do it apart from him. He says he's with us, but are we with him? Are we spending time with him? Are we with him? If you're making disciples apart from Jesus, you are on the road to burnout. You are on the road to discouragement. You are on the road to forgetting why, the what, and the how. We have to be with Jesus every single day. That's what I talked about last week. If you didn't get your journal, I'm going to say it again. Go get your journal. If you didn't get to Hobby Lobby this week, go get to Hobby Lobby. Go get your journal. And every day, reading God's word, asking a question, what's he saying? Next question, how are you feeling? Next question, what are you thankful for? Every day. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Going and making disciples apart from Jesus is like going on a date night. Guys, taking your spouse, girlfriend on a date night recently. If you haven't, got to pursue our wives, right? Ladies, amen? Yeah. Doesn't stop after we get married. Oh, I got the catch. I can be lazy. No, we got to keep pursuing, right? Guys, but let's say you take your wife out on a date night and you take her out on a date night and you don't talk to her or look her in the eye the entire time. How's that going to go for you? Wives, how's that going to (laughs) go? Right? What if you go to the table and you turn the chair around and you don't face her? Is that going to go well? (laughs) Not going to go well. Jesus says, go make disciples, and then we don't, we don't have a relationship with them. Jesus says, I'm here with you. I'm here with you in your home. I'm here with you in your workplace. I'm here with you in your neighborhood. I'm here with you. Wherever you go, talk to me. Talk to me. And he wants to talk to you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to challenge you. And all of it, he wants to give you life. Spend time with him, because we can't do it apart from him. We can't live a life on mission apart from him. He's with us, but are we with him? Are we with him? We are called to make disciples and make disciples. We must do this in relation with Jesus, and we can't do it apart from him. You might be saying, Justin, I've never been discipled. I I need to be discipled. Yes, you do. You need to get connected to a group. But I will tell you this. Whatever you have learned from Jesus, whatever someone has either taught you or you've learned from Jesus, whatever has been given to you by Jesus, you can walk beside someone else with that. And if you're in real relationship, if you're in real relationship, meaning 
you're in a home group, you're in a men's group, you're in a women's group, you're going to be able to walk beside somebody. You're going to be able to encourage somebody. You're going to be able to teach somebody something. And whatever's been given to you, it hasn't been given to you just for you. It's been given to you to walk beside someone else. And the closest thing I can give you an analogy to is I've got three kids at home. And on Monday and Tuesday, I get them off to school. Now I get them off to school on Wednesday and Thursday. I get them off to school on Friday too. But I tell you what, getting two kids ready for school and then adding a third, that's a whole new level. I'll just be honest with you, okay? In the morning, I'm like, man, little Theo, six years old, that guy's a terror. Getting him ready to go to school, my goodness, right? But I got to get all the kids ready to school, make sure they get baths, showers, brush their teeth, comb their hair, get the lunch ready, make sure they got their homework done, all that. And yes, it relies on me. But you know what I do with the older two? I tell him, would you get your brother into the bathroom and help him get figuring out how to brush his teeth? I'm going to get your lunch going. Hey, will you pour your, your brother an extra cup of chocolate milk? He's hungry this morning. Because we've got to have chocolate milk in the morning, right? I mean, that's a good start to the day when you get some chocolate milk, right? I empower and entrust Theo to my olders. Why? Because it's their job to help disciple their brother. Yes, we're talking about household stuff, but it's no different. Well, I only know about Jesus and I just got baptized last week. You can share with somebody else what you learned about baptism last week. I've only been walking with the Lord for about seven years. No one's really discipled me. Whatever has been entrusted to you, you can entrust to somebody else, but you got to do it in a relationship. Yes, you need to be discipled, but whatever God has given you, you can give to somebody else. Over the next eight weeks, this is what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about relationship with Jesus, and we're going to be talking about what does this look like in our relationships in the church? What's it look like to live a life on mission with this group of people at Real Life Ministries? What does it look like to get connected into real relationship? What does it mean to be a disciple? What's the definition of a disciple? What does it look like to be equipped to serve? What does it look like to, to be empowered to give your life away and to serve others? We're going to be talking about family. What does it look like in the marriage? Husbands, wives, together. What does it look like in regards to kids? If you're single, you might be saying, well, I'll just skip those two weeks. No, you need to start preparing now so that when the Lord gives you a partner, if and when, you've already got some things you're looking at. You're looking at your future husband, wife, and going, does he or she fit the bill, right? So we're going to talk about living a life on mission in those areas. We're going to look at living a life on mission in community. What does that look like in your work? If you're an owner and you employ employees, what does it look like for you to live on mission in your work? What does it look like for you to live on mission if you are an employee and you're called to honor your boss, who isn't a Christian, what does that look like to live on mission? What does it look like in your neighborhood? What does it look in your, in your neighbors when it comes to people you live with? And here's what my hope and desire is. My hope and desire is that we begin the process of living a life on mission, to go and make disciples, that we would understand that there's nothing else that satisfies and that God can actually not only change your life, he can change those around you, through you. lastly, as we close out, I just want to ask this question. 
How many of you guys, and I, I want to be honest, I want you to be honest with me. This is the first time you've actually heard a sermon on Matthew chapter 28. Raise your hand if this is the first time you've heard it. One, two, three, four, five. So the rest of you, you've heard a sermon on Matthew chapter 28. Raise your hand. Okay. For those of you that have heard it for the first time, you became aware of the Great Commission. Why? What? How? This is the first step, becoming aware. Number two, for those of you that have heard this before, Matthew 28, for some of you, you have it memorized. You have Matthew 28 memorized. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And lo and behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. You can memorize it or have it memorized just like I do. My question for you is not whether you have it memorized. Are you doing it? Are we doing it? And what is your next step to take hold of it? Because Jesus believes in you so much, he entrusts it to you. Because at the end of the day, when Jesus asks us, what do we do? I memorized Matthew 28. He's gonna say, that's not what I asked you to do. I asked you to go do it. And here's the thing, we get to do it. We get to do it. Implications for today. Jesus invites us to live a life on mission with him. He wants the world reconciled to his lordship through you. And his mission won't move forward unless you start. Where will you begin? Jesus goes on the journey with you, but are you with him? And he's going to equip you for the journey with his people who is discipling you. Do you want to be a disciple? As we get ready for communion this morning, to have a meal with Jesus, I just want you to think about two things. Number one, the first one is this, is what sin, what challenge, what conviction is coming this morning that you need to confess to Jesus this morning? And the second one is this, is who do you know that needs to be encouraged, who's struggling, who's sad, who's mad? How can you pray for them? And how can you minister to them this morning? Let's spend some time with Jesus as we get ready to take a meal with him.